Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. A lot has happened since we've talked to you last time. <laughs> and you want to know why? Because COVID. Because COVID. 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 Finally COVID. came here to the studio. Uh, I got my wonderful positive test results on April Fool's Day. Yeah, of all days. I thought that was ironic. And uh, I we did everything we could. We separated ourselves. I basically was stuck in the back of the house here, being fed prison style by Amber, and she still got it. I I think I got it from you, but at the same time, you got it. Yeah. You got it from someone who was positive. Yeah. And I think I just showed symptoms the day after you did. Yeah. I just thought... Oh crap! It just the weather in Michigan suddenly shifted to and it's, it's like forty it's, to yeah. eighty, which as it does. It's so hard to, Michigan. to monitor your symptoms for anything here so, because of the weather. So then, and then I my phone that morning's like pollen alert, pollen alert, and I don't normally have allergies, but I with that combination of like a sudden change in weather and things growing, I was like. Oh, I got a stuffy nose. Maybe it's the weather. I felt fine. You, meanwhile, were like, I'm achy, I'm dead. Eh. I had I'm... one day where I was achy, and that was the day I was diagnosed. And I was yeah. starting to get achy the night before. Yeah. Because you got up that night and showered. And I was like, oh, shit. What's he doing? Why yeah, is he well, doing I started that? getting the chills. Because whenever you do that, I know you're sick or you're not feeling well. So I started I was... getting the chills, and I, and I was, yeah, I... And I got my, that's when I got the test done. So, so well. Thankfully, our, our symptoms have not been that bad. Yeah. I, mean, I had one bad. I had, you know, I had a day last week when I was kind of in quarantine where I kind of had a day where I got kind of tired and a little achy again. And I just went to bed. But other than that, it was pretty much just cold symptoms. Yeah. So we've been very lucky. Yeah. I, I, um, I lost my sense of taste and smell like completely like gone, 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 gone. Like someone just turned to switch. I, I will say that is one of the weirder symptoms that you hear about, but it's not similar to like when you have a cold. When you have a cold and you lose that sense of smell and taste. To me, it's there's, just a dryness. There's always like, thought, but there's gross. always still a background to your flavor palette. I have nothing. Yeah, there's, it's it's just if it's I try a, to smell something, it's a desert out there. I bring it to my nose and it still smells far away. Yeah, and I mean, I, even in this recording, you're going to hear I'm I'm probably more nasally than I normally am. Right, so um, am I probably. I know my voice so, is still kind of sorry for the, stuff, sorry so. for the nasal. Yeah, but it's. You know, we're lucky because we didn't have to go to the hospital, and I hopefully now we have some antibodies. Yay! I know I packed. A, I don't know about the rest of you guys out there, but that's one of the things I did when when I got that that positive test. I came home, and the first thing I did was I packed a bag and put it, you know put it in my office and said, "Okay, if if it happens, I'm going to be ready. I can just grab my bag and go straight to the ER and probably end up being there for 300." years i don't know wow uh well i think we both got very lucky about that so yeah we're still alive uh we're holding it down here and we had a lot of fun tonight uh our dear friend amanda woomer uh joined us again to talk yeah. about the feminine macabre beautiful which is beautiful her, stuff her man. new so cool. book uh it's a woman's journal of all things strange and unusual yeah, yeah and i honestly i say this in the show but a guy can pick this up and read this too it's not something that's overly feminine or it would offend any male. It shouldn't offend anybody. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it shouldn't. We, but yeah, we, we touched on that a like little bit. She said, I mean, obviously, yeah. that it did, it did strike a nerve with a few people when some people wanted to contribute to this and they lost followers and 
it's like that's so weird. I mean, that's so weird to me. Like people are weird. Don't be weird. And I know I would like to think that listeners of our show are not that kind of weird. They're the good kind of weird, but not like the bad kind. Stay of in weird, your lane. Where they're like, what? Stay in your lane. A paranormal book written by women for women. What? Uh. Oh, I'm unfollowing. Uh. 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 <laughs> I don't. It's like, come on. You took a job. You stupid. Yeah, I. I but that's all I hear in my mind. I, when I, I love what like Amanda that. does, and she, she really, she, I, I always see her on social media, and she's always doing something fun and cute, and she just, I don't know, she, she does cool stuff, and I gotta read her bio, which I was going over to, because in case you don't know who Amanda Woomer is, yeah, I yeah. want to read her bio. So she's a writer, anthropologist, and former international English teacher. Amanda R. Woomer was born and raised in Buffalo, New York. A member of the Society for Psychical Research, she is a featured writer for the award-winning Haunted Magazine and The Morbid Curious, as well as the owner of Spook Eats. She is the author of A Haunted Atlas of Western New York, The Spirit Guide, America's Haunted Breweries, Distilleries, and Wineries, and The Ghosts of the Ghost Light Theater, as well as two books in the Creepy Books for Creepy Kids series. Follow her spooky adventures at spookeats.com, and she's on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, all the socials. All, all the all social, social media. All the socials. So I really – go to Amazon. You can pick this book up, The Feminine Macabre. It's big. It's really pretty. Uh, they got a great cover on it. And there's tons of articles you can pick up anywhere in the book and read something. Uh, check this out. Enjoy the show with Amanda Woomer. of your head can you name a female paranormal investigator or researcher amanda woomer okay other than that <laughs> other than other than amanda who we're going to be talking to but rosemary ellen guiley we okay, have a picture okay. on the wall an autograph picture okay. rest in peace rosemary um but yeah that's another one what, are you quizzing me i'm quizzing you because you're the male in the room and we're going to be oh, talking this is how about... This, that's how this is going to go. I can... Oh, I... No, oh, we're not going to gang up on you, but you're, uh, we're talking about women in the paranormal tonight with author and paranormal researcher Amanda Woomer. Yes. And I am holding in my hands the new journal, The Feminine Macabre, and this is volume one of many to come. And this is a really cool thing because it's basically a paranormal journal, all written by women, essays, and I think I counted like 31 different essays. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Amanda's been, that put together. But anyway, welcome to the show, Amanda. I'll let Amanda explain yes. everything behind this journal, where it's going, what the ideas were behind it, and then we have all kinds of other fun stuff to talk about, I'm sure. Well, <gasps> go ahead, Amanda. Sorry. No. Oh, gosh. No, I was just going to say, what a, what a, what a, an intro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, the Feminine Macabre basically – was mulling around in my mind for about a year now and it kind of stemmed from a a different 
show I was doing probably last year in like February or March where we were talking about women in the paranormal, historically speaking. And I was mentioning women like Catherine Crow, Eleanor Sidgwick, you know, women that just because it's a topic that I'm interested in. So I've researched them. And I guess I made the assumption that people knew who I was talking about. And I (laughs) learned very quickly that the people I I was talking with had no idea who who I was talking about. Um, so it just got me thinking, like, oh, gosh, you know, I guess, like, a lot of people really don't know these historic female paranormal investigators. And then I started thinking, and I was like, oh, gosh, like, can you really, like, off the top of your head, come up with a few female paranormal investigators? Right. You did a great job, Scott. Yeah. Very good job. Thanks the Lord. Thank you. But it just yeah. really got me thinking that, yeah. you know, why is it that if you ask someone to name their favorite paranormal investigator, nine times out of ten, they can list off a whole slew of men, but they kind of struggle to come up with a list of women. Um, and so, you know, that got me thinking even more, you know, because personally, I just I know so many women in the field. I know more women than I do men in the community. And whenever I host public ghost hunts or I attend an event, I I usually see a majority of women there. And the guys, I always joke saying the guys that I see there clearly look like they're there against their will. (laughs) They were like dragged there by their spouse or their partner or their their girlfriend or whatever. Um, So that's why I wanted to start the Feminine Macabre. Basically, I wanted it to be a little, you know, little sub-community in the paranormal. um, And just a a platform that women could use to share their research and their findings, their experiences, their theories. Um, And there are some women in Volume 1 that have been studying their specific area of expertise. And I don't use that word lightly, you know, expertise. Um, you know, they've been doing this for 30 years, focusing on, you know, these different topics. Um, and then you also have some women that are just starting out. You have women that focus more on the gadgets and the science and of paranormal investigation. And then you have women who are more into witchcraft and tarot. Um, some people are more into folklore and dark history. So yeah. it's just a great little freaky patchwork quilt of weirdos <laughs> coming together um, to put together the feminine macabre so volume one has um like you said uh 31 um which kind of made me mad i was like oh gosh we couldn't keep it at 30 um so i decide to not count myself so it's 30 so i'm like oh it's 30 (laughs) um so um and it's just it it was so much fun and it was a great experience i thought it could go really bad really quick um, and I had a few naysayers and a couple people involved lost a lot of followers and got a bit of hate for being involved with it. But Why? what? Oh, well, what? I got to hear. Yeah. I got to hear a little bit about this. Like how? Why would someone? I'm triggered. What's going I'm on? Just- here? <laughs> <laughs> why would this upset someone to get involved with a with some a project like this? So uh, basically the the incredibly talented woman that designed our cover, Emily Whalen. She's a part of the Singular Fordian Society. And she said when they shared my call for submissions that they lost a very significant amount of followers. And they said that it happened around the same time, not around the same time, a similar instance happened last year when they announced that they were donating royalties to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Same thing happened. They lost followers. Um, 
So a couple of other people who were involved, one woman that was accepted into the journal, um, she lost a bunch of followers. Um, and we found out it was because some of them had submitted things to the journal and it wasn't accepted. So it, it it's those, I think, people who don't like that it's all female. Um, you know, I won't say that they're sexist because I think that's very extreme, but I think they might they might see it as sexist. Um, you know, why does it have to be all female? Where's the all male journal? To which I would say all the other ones out there. Um, <laughs> but, but that's just me. Um, and we're not trying to make it male versus female. My feeling is everyone knows that there are men researching the paranormal. If you turn on the TV, you can't ignore it. Um, so this is just kind of evening out the playing field and just shedding some light on the fact that you know the ladies are here too and working just as hard and investigating with just as much integrity um you know so luckily yeah. for me i feel bad like i was prepared to like defend this to the death and defend my ladies and nobody ever came for me they came for some of the ladies involved which huh. i was really upset about because i had great experiences with everyone you know a lot of people said, you know, this was really needed and necessary. Both men and women have reached out to me saying how important this is and how they hope that it continues, um, you know, throughout the future. So luckily, I think the naysayers are few and far between, but unfortunately, they are usually the loudest out on the Internet. So See, my yeah. observation has been this since I started in this field back in like 1847. And that was like, <laughs> I mean, I've always considered this field to be, and I, I don't want to, I don't, I can't really think of anything else to say, but I've always thought that this field was more of a female field of study as, as it was, to be honest with you. And you, and you drove that point home, Amanda, when you did mention, like when you go to conferences, you see the majority are women. You, that, yeah. And that's true. And and yeah, the, the there's a handful of the dudes that are there that look like they're going, oh, man, just counting the minutes. Right. I get that. <laughs> and, you know, but I mean, I've always considered this field to be more of a female dominated field. And I, I don't I'm only saying dominated because I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean it like that. Right. It, it's I've always considered this to be more heavily populated by females uh and so this just seems very natural to me it don't surprise me uh to see this i think it's cool right um and 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 highlighting that i think is a fantastic thing um so again it just seems very natural to me i think that um that we that you would put something like this together amanda um this is i think females are very much they're, they're, they they have a, am I wrong, Amber? Because you're giving me the, you're giving me the look now. I'm and just I'm, wondering I'm where really, you're going. And I'm well, like, because I'm really trying to be careful here because I know, I, I, I can I'm in tell. trouble. I'm like, you're yeah. not, you're not being offensive or anything. No, no, I think, I it, know, but I think that, no, going, my point is I think there's more females in the field as it is right now than there no, are No, there, there always has been. There and always going, has been. Going yeah. back even to like spiritualism days, like yeah. more women were attracted to spiritualism because you could be a, I don't know, not necessarily like a priest or reverend, but you could lead your own spiritual congregation. You could be the yeah. head of yeah, your spiritual yeah. church, unlike other you know denominations out there. And of course, a lot of early spiritualists were suffragettes. They were you know abolitionists. Yeah. They were all about reform and 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 progressive uh, stuff and law and everything you know and all that good stuff. So it's it it well, has my, been a female dominated. Yeah, and well, the question I thing, have for that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, but then when it comes to like scientific yeah. things like papers and, and, and stuff, and when you're in like maybe academia and everything, of course, like it seems like the man's name gets sort of put out well, there. Well, you're leading me into the question I had, the, the thought I was having on this. And this is for both you guys. Um, why? Why do we? Why is the field? I, I and I believe that I do believe that I think the field, the study of the paranormal, I think is is more heavily populated with 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 women. Uh, why? I guess that's the question I have. Uh, you know, what makes the field more attractive to women as far as as far as the study of this, as far as maybe riffing on this like we're doing right now, just exchanging ideas and things like that. Um, why is that? Why does that seem to attract women more than men? I guess that's my question. Can somebody, I mean, and no answer's wrong, guys. Everybody just, just more at a time here. Take it easy. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm just, I'm just going to find a way to just get myself in trouble tonight. I know I am. <laughs> yeah. I guess for, for me, the first thing that I thought of, and it like makes me want to twitch. I think back yeah. to my, my days in college, which were just, just a few years ago now, just a few, like a decade. Um, yeah. But I, I remember studying um, in anthropology courses um, the act of linguistics, and mm-hmm. um, in in linguistics and in language in general, um, men use at least in boys and girls. We'll we'll do that easy comparison. So in boys, they use language to compete with one another. So I can do this. Well, I can do this. Uh, well, I can do this better. You're right. um, yeah. And girls tend to use language to connect. So, you know, you could say like, well, I have a doll. Oh, I have a doll too. You know, so I think like at least my my knee-jerk reaction to your question um, is that perhaps women like we use language to connect with one another. That is maybe the draw or the pull of the paranormal is that we want to connect with whatever it is what whatever comes next, whatever that spiritual realm is, you know, and I think you, you a lot of times you have women who are wives and mothers and nurturers and caregivers, and they do a great job at connecting with female spirits or the spirits of children mm-hmm. uh, much better than you know, the the guys in the tight black T-shirts stomping through the abandoned building screaming demon. You know, that sort of energy is going to scare things away while the more nurturing and connect, you know, the, the, yeah. the desire to connect yeah. might, might, might draw them in better. So that's my immediate reaction is that maybe we're just drawn to wanting to find that connection or find you know, those answers of what comes next to bring comfort to ourselves as well as others. At least that's my, my approach. You know, I'm in it to, to learn what comes next and to connect with these spirits so I can find the answers to the questions that I have and then share those answers with other people who might be grieving or experiencing the same questions that I have. I think the male mind, and I, as you're, as you're explaining this, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this, um, I always find my mind, for example, taking this stuff, these nurturing ideas you're talking about, the idea of spirit and connecting with spirits. And I do that a lot on this show. I do this a lot on my personal time when I'm just brainstorming things. I'm always trying to make sense of things analytically, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to break them down into their pieces and their mechanical pieces. And I think that's more what a, what a male mind does. I think if there's differences between males and females. I think it's that is that that's especially in the paranormal 
our difference is that is that males are going. That's why you. I think you have, like Amber said, the papers and things like that. I mean, I, the whole and I. Unfortunately, the the negative byproduct of that are guys with tight black T-shirts on stomping through buildings, <laughs> uh, which I. <laughs> You know what? I'll trade. I'll trade my mail card any day of the week to not be that guy. <laughs> I'll just say that right now. I think it's ridiculous. That's an opinion, though. Um, I think the male mind does go into the into into different areas than the female mind goes into, and that's why you may have different. You you have males and females in the same field, but their output, I think, in 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 general, may be a bit different as far as what their output is and the work that they do and the stuff that they have to present to people. Does that make mm-hmm. sense, Amber? Yeah, I I historically there's you been... sounded really convinced. Yeah, go, yeah, go, go. <laughs> wow. Sure, yeah, whatever you say. Yeah, I guess so. Meh. Sure, Scott, I agree with everything I, you, you know, say. Honestly, I, my brain was just thinking about a thousand things there. Um, Chicken in the background, goat, fish, kind of. Um, <laughs> Great. No, not in that way. But I was for some reason when you said about I I, I kept thinking like of the ratio to men to women on paranormal TV shows. Yeah. When we brought up, you know, people screaming demon. And I thought, God, I wonder if there are more men. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Shows. I mean, but I don't know, though. There's a lot of women out there that have been on the shows over the years, too. I am no, I am no authority on this. It's, I, I almost, I, it'd be kind of an interesting thing to take a lot of the shows over the past 20 years and sort of count the, you know, I'm going to say actors on the show. And I sit, you sit there thinking, like, okay, the majority of viewers who watch those shows could be women. So maybe you would have more men in front of the camera because they might think those men are cute. You know, this is all from entertainment perspective. Well, that's entertainment. That's, that's all that's it is. That's a good way. That's yeah. a good thing to think about. I've never thought of it that way. I've just been like the chip on my shoulder bitter. Right. Like, well, why are there all male TV shows <laughs> and not all female TV shows? Right. But that makes a lot of sense from the entertainment. Yeah, aspect. exactly. Just from pushing it and marketing it and who who's the audience here. But then I'm thinking like, God, who's actually cute in paranormal television? <laughs> And then I'm like, I, if you if you think about it, only Zach Baggins is okay looking. You're gonna admit that on this show. I didn't say he's like hot or anything. He's just okay looking out of all the others. When we're going back in time, I will tell you that growing up, people always ask me like, "Well, who is your favorite?" You know, person that you've met over the years, blah blah blah. And I always joke saying, "Growing up." I, granted, I was like 13, 14 years old when it first came out, but Steve from Ghost Hunters, okay, yep. I had the biggest I could see crush that. on him. Yep, I could see that one too in that camp. He's actually a yeah. very, very nice guy. I've, yeah, uh, he we, is uh, nice. We've, we've had yes, a chance yeah. to hang out. And they, actually, I was he's the, he came up to me at that uh, Michigan conference a couple years ago. I was wearing a band T-shirt. And oh, he, he came yeah. up to me out of nowhere. He's like, dude, I love that band. And we ended up having like an hour <laughs> conversation about our favorite bands and stuff like that. Super cool guy. Yeah, super yeah. cool guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, simply put, that's just entertainment. That's all it is. Yeah, that, but that's why when you were talking and I went, yeah. Because that's, that's where my thoughts were going for some reason at that moment. Chicken, car bumper. <laughs> no. Zach the sky's purple. Zach Baggins. The sky's yeah. purple. Yeah. And anyway, but no, I, I women historically, I think women also they're just they've been more they're more sensitive to stuff. I don't, I don't know why. Simp- I think that's and, and it has it something I think to, to do with like what Amanda just said. Yeah, yeah. And I just there's does seem to be a biological difference between men and women when it comes to let's like good old fashioned like, a, like even something like just mediumship. Like there's more women mediums out there than guys. Yeah. Well, it's it's a different mind. Like I think I've already said that, and I'll say it again. I think the 
the female mind, I think, geez, I'm trying to find, I, you, know, you know, I'm just going to say, it, okay. Uh, I mean, the female mind, I think, wanders more than a male mind does. If you and just follow my logic here for a minute. I mean, I think the female, oh, geez, I am so screwed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in this cow pie <laughs> sooner or later. I know I am. This is torture listening to you because I can just feel your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Put no, your I mean, in your well, mouth. nothing I'm saying, nothing I'm saying. I mean, everything I'm saying, though, is from a really good place, though, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the female mind, you know, and I mean, look, let's just put it this way. I can I can say personal stuff. Amber and I live together and some of the hilarity that happens around here between us is very much because of our genders. I think I think your your mind is obviously different than mine. So you're a little more carefree about things, whereas I'm like. No, put that yeah. away or something like You're that. You're uptight and rigid. Okay, fine. I'll take that. I'll own that, right? Um, but that right there, even though it's more of a funny example, I think that's a big difference between guys and gals, especially when it comes to studying the paranormal. I think, as I said before, I think the men in the field, I think the, the vast majority of them are trying to find ways to make more sense of things. Again, put all this, put all this stuff into a simple box and be able to explain it and repeat it over and over again in a simulated situation, right? Scientific, scientific method. Uh, whereas I think, I think females, they are more open to just let's wonder about these things and the nurturing aspect and all that. I think that's what makes the difference between guys and gals. How'd I do? I'm sure. <laughs> I think, I think women trust their intuition yeah. more than men sometimes. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe while you're doing a paranormal investigation or doing something and your intuition you just kind of feel you just have a knowing i don't know guys yeah. might doubt themselves a little more like uh i don't know about that it was the burrito i ate it <laughs> you know so that was a, that was a good guy voice that's <laughs> my dude voice uh, 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 they all sound like beavis and butthead yeah, i was just gonna say beavis and butthead oh my god uh, uh, god no i i think those are the that's my personal thing, I think, is are those differences. But um, as far as the feminine macabre's concerned, uh, 30, well, I'm sorry, 30. Yeah. 30. Thank you. <laughs> Can we talk about a couple of these entries? Sure. I'm going to give the floor to you on that one. It's it's at your disposal. Unless, Amber, you got you got it in front of you. Well, I'm kind of curious if there were any that, I mean, obviously you love them all. They're all your little children in this journal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so I don't want you to like point out, well, this one's my favorite. But were there is there one that maybe, I don't know, kind of hit you a certain way when you when you first got a submission for it? Yeah, so it's so funny that you even said that because I people have asked me like, well, how's the book? Is it any good? And I'm <laughs> like, well, I mean, a, a parent will say their kid is cute, whether or not they're cute or not. Right. And I mean, I think <laughs> it's good, but it's like my kid. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, there were a couple that really stood out to me. Obviously, they all stood out because we had over 100 submissions wow. and we had to whittle it down to 30. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, the one that I, I use as a great example was one of the very first ones that we got. Um, it's called Colorful Women by Amy Bennett um, from Full Dark Paranormal Explorations. And what I loved is that she totally embraced the idea of women in the paranormal. Um, a lot of people who reached out to me kind of had a hard time wrapping their mind around what does that mean. And unfortunately, I just said to them, well, it means whatever it means to you. You know, being a woman in the paranormal could be focusing on that women's intuition and that female touch. Um, or it could be totally ignoring, you know, that 
you know, the separation between sexes and just focusing on the, you know, the science behind it or the research. Um, but she, she did such a good job. Basically, for those of you who haven't read it, Colorful Women is about how we identify female spirits generally by the clothes that they wear, um, whether it's a woman in white or a lady in red or a gray lady, um, and how that can be damaging, historically speaking, culturally speaking, and especially um, through the paranormal lens. Um, you know, the easiest example is, you know, the color white. And in white, a lot of times, you know, she's, you know, you know, she's young, she's innocent, you know, so you put these preconceived notions on this white, a lot of times, you know, she's, you know, you know, she's young, she's innocent, you know, so you put these preconceived notions on this spirit who, when she was alive, you know, she was complicated and, and, you know, there was, there was, you know, mysteries behind her and she had a life and people loved her, people hated her. There was so much more to her than just the color of her dress. Um, so Amy did just a fantastic job at really dissecting that trope in a way of these women, these colorful women. Um, and I just, I read it. It was one of the first things that got submitted. And immediately I said to myself, this has to go in because it was just such a cool twist on the idea of women in the paranormal. Um, I loved it. Um, it's a great example of what I was looking for. You know, a lot of people sent in personal encounters, which is great and they're really interesting, but that's not what this journal is necessarily for. This is more so it's a journal. Yeah. So I'm trying to take more of like a, a education route where, you know, I, I hope that people who read it walk away having learned something new. Um, and there are a few personal accounts um, within, you know, volume one of the journal. Um, but a lot of them work in uh, history of a location or a, a concept in the paranormal. Um, you know, so... Um, but I really liked, I, I, I loved Amy's Colorful Women. I thought it was really well done. And just an interesting take on something that I don't even think people really think about nowadays. Like you like hear stories of a, a woman in white. You're like, oh yeah, okay. Add it to the list of, you know, activity at this location. Um, and, you know, we don't really stop to think more about these women because they they are, they're women. You know, they're the spirits of a person that, was once roaming the earth just like us and how would we feel if when we die all you know that's left of us is oh yeah she liked to wear the color black um yeah. so um i i loved it um i could gush about it all day it was one of my one of my favorites but i can't choose favorites because they're all they're all wonderful they're all my beautiful babies <laughs> well these are these are and this is the stuff that i i would like to see the field the direction i'd like to see the field going in is I mean, I like a ghost story better than the next person does, right? They're great. I mean, that's they never get boring. But it is stuff like this where I better than the next person does, right? They're great. I mean, that's they never get boring. But it is stuff like this where I see, uh, let's talk about more things than just the ghost. She was working on, was it either when UFO abductees get given, no, 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 no. Was it smells? Working on, was it either when... UFO abductees get given no 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 was it smells 
She was doing something that was a, or, or maybe no, it was outfit. I think it was outfits too. Something it was outfits, with, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. So it was just that hyper focusing on something that you, when you, when you actually start extracting it from all of these stories, you do start seeing a trend. Yeah. That these things come up over and over and over. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, yeah. It's, I mean, and I, I, and I, I do love it. I think more people need to break down stuff like that. I hate tooting our own horn here, but that's what <laughs> toot, we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing with Stairway Spirits, which is kind of the side project we're doing with Ghostly Talk now. Amanda is mm-hmm. we're doing a side show from this that focuses on nothing but stairway activity when it comes to the paranormal or ascending cool. passages and stuff like that. And that's what you're saying. What Amber said is just kind of hyper focusing in on one aspect. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's what this is. And that's what I really like about that. And those are the things I'd like to see more people involved with this field do is find something that they're really interested in and run with that idea. If, if, if they can stay, you know, it's hard to stay on one thing. I get that. Uh, but if you can find that, I, I think that's fantastic. And I'd like to see more people doing that, I think. So that's that's yeah, super cool. Sure. I'm glad to hear that. Well, and I think that with this book, like Amanda pointed out, that it's not just women writing only about women issues or anything like that. Yeah. It's a, a guy could pick up this book and learn and enjoy yep. it. There's not he's not going to be like, oh, God, this is so girly. And, you know, why, <laughs> why isn't the cover pink? And it's not like that at all. It's just w- written by women. And I didn't feel like this book was sort of like rubbing feminism in your face or something like that. Like it, it did not have some kind of pretentious little air around it with like, eh, it's only written by women. Like it's just, no, it's, it was really well done. <laughs> yeah. And and I like the historical, because like, that's the first part I jumped into because you can kind of just pick up where, well, you can start wherever you want in this book, which is nice when right. it's essays. Entries, yeah. But I ran right to all the historical stuff because I love <laughs> the fact that you guys brought in like someone like Catherine Crow and Eleanor Sidgwick because like you said, a lot of people, <coughs> they don't know who these women are. And when I first picked up Catherine Crow's book, The Night Side of Nature, yeah, this was a book that was just can't like I think I found it in the back of a book because I'm one of those nerds that will read the bibliographies to look for more books to read. And I think I saw it in something and was like, oh, what's that book? That looks cool. And then I, I found it online, looked it up. And when I started reading it, I'm like, what? when was this written? And yes. I look <laughs> and I'm like, this is 1847. I think it was 47. Or 1848, the same year that the Fox sisters started doing their mysterious wrappings in Rochester, New York. And I'm like, wait, this, whoa. Like, this lady's actually telling ghost stories as if, like, like we do now, like just not just saying like a Charles Dickens, which actually she's got history with that guy too. Yeah. But like not yeah, just. Oh, uh, I can't stand him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let I can let you tell that part of the story. But she <laughs> she kind of she kind of I don't know. Maybe Amanda can tell it better uh, with Catherine Crow, like what she did in that book, why it was important. Um, and then yeah, f- uh, feel free to kind of enlighten us on that uh, nasty little Charles <laughs> Dickens. Yeah. So basically. Uh, uh, what I love about Catherine Crow is that she, at least, and I wrote in the journal the big thing at the end that focuses on Catherine Crow. Um, basically, she took these ghostly encounters and these paranormal experiences that people were having, and she wrote them down as if they were fact. Um, so it wasn't a collection of ghost stories like ooh folklore and and hearsay. Uh-huh. She really took it as. I'm writing this down so we can study it and learn from it. And she really led to the founding of the Society for Cyclical Research. Um, she was the very first 
paranormal investigator. You know, she did the first ghost hunt, um, you know, in Edinburgh, Scotland. And, you know, I, at least I credit her and she should be credited as the mother of paranormal investigation as we know it today. Um, you know, and the thing I think that was really cool with her is that I think, you know, she took a lot of these accounts, a lot of these accounts I feel like were a part of oral history and they were in a way folklore, you know, people talking about different, you know, prophetic dreams and wraiths and I mean, this book is enormous. It's like a Harry Potter book. Yeah, it um, is. So if anyone can get a copy of it, it's 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 a must read. It's so knowledgeable and just packed with so much information. Um, and I feel like she did a great job of bridging the gap between spirituality and science, um, the feminine and the masculine, quote unquote. Um, and so basically she really, you know, she was basically part of the spiritualism movement before the spiritualism movement arrived in Britain. Um, and, you know, she, you know, was working very hard on, on documenting all of these things. And basically the short Reader's Digest version of her story with Charles Dickens is um, basically in, I forget the year. I want to say it's like 1857. Um, it was mid-1800s. Um, she had kind of a, a sort of mental breakdown. She suffered from delirium for a very short span of time. And um, she was found wandering Edinburgh naked um, one night. And the whole situation got really uh, exposed because of Charles Dickens. And he just started a whole smear campaign. Um and basically, this is because he was obsessed with mesmerism, um, basically hypnosis. And she was bringing about spiritualism. And for whatever reason, they could not coexist with one another, even though I think that they are very much in the same realm. Um, but Charles Dickens basically saw her as a threat to what he was interested in and his friends were interested in. So he just started this whole smear campaign. And I really credit him for kind of wiping her out of history. And if anyone does know of her, they know about her breakdown, um, her time in a London asylum, which was very, very brief. She wasn't even technically admitted as a patient. Um, and her nude romp through the streets of Edinburgh. Um, and really nobody remembers her for the work that she did and the groundwork that she laid for paranormal investigation as we know it today. So I love Catherine Crow. She's one of my heroes and more people should know about her. So everybody go out and buy the night side of nature by yes. Catherine Crow. Yeah. And, and, and if you, and if you can't afford it, it is available. You can That's still true. find it as a PDF because it's of its age. It's out there. Yeah. Um, you it's can read it domain. online. Yeah. It's, it's public, public domain. domain, but I had to write down the Dickens quote that he said, and I found this, this was funny that she was being gossiped about in a mesmerism magazine. And yep. I forget the name of it. It had a hilarious name. Like oh, Zoom. oh, and the Zoist. The Zoist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Zoist. What is that? I don't know, but I love the word kind of. Zoist. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one way to say it, and that's Zoist. the way you say it, just yeah. like you say it, Amber. I, I feel like it's like a Scooby-Doo thing, like jinky. Yeah, yeah, Zoist. No, Zoist. <laughs> I know. I had to laugh at that. Who wrote that? But Dickens actually said, quote, she was a medium and an ass. And I don't know what else. Like and, That's, and he puts this in there. I don't under. It never su ceases to amaze me. And as you were talking about this, Amanda, I, I and I say this so 
often now on and off the air. I don't understand how in a field, men and women, in a field that we're in and we're talking about right now, how you can have that level of competitiveness and debate and downright nastiness toward one another when none of us really have any answers on anything as far as how this stuff works. It never ceases to amaze me that, and this, this obviously wasn't the first time this has happened to someone and it won't be the last time. Uh, But I always come back with the same answer saying, either of you know anything of what the hell you're talking about, really. I mean, we have ideas and they're compelling and they're amazing and they're fantastic. But any any idea that I have ever postulated that I thought was mildly interesting, I still follow it up with, I still don't know what the hell is going on here. Yep. <laughs> I have no yeah. clue. I have no clue. It's just an idea. I'm not, I guess I've never thought to put my entire livelihood and stock in an idea that I can't prove. And some people have. Some people have written entire books on ideas like that. And I'm not I'm not giving anybody a hard time for that. I think those are those are ideas are fantastic. But you when you cannot, in my opinion, drag someone through broken glass because their idea may threaten your hollowed idea for a second. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Um so it just it obviously irritates me <laughs> a little bit <laughs> um, to see that and and just to see how far back in history this 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 behavior has gone, you know, how far it's gone back. Uh, it's kind of a bummer, I have to say. Um, uh, yeah. Zoist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Zoist, for doing that for us. I, I, <laughs> it, it, it's a bummer. But back to the journals, though. Um, I guess I, you know, could we talk about another journal entry <laughs> oh gosh let me i'm gonna Sorry be to that put you on the spot. actually pull out a copy I, i'm going through it too because i've i read some other um ones in here that were that were really i'm cool. sorry i didn't mean to I, put you on the spot amanda you're no you're i should i should have it memorized by now but it's been it's been like a month of me not working on it which has been <laughs> kind of nice well you want time away from it uh, well, and now you come on our show and, and <laughs> no and currently you're looking for uh submissions for the volume two, volume two yeah right now yes i only gave myself like two weeks off and then i was like volume two submissions are open now so yes anyone who's listening um that um is interested in potentially um submitting something if you go to spookyeats.com slash feminine macabre you can find the submission guidelines there um and i really want to encourage people that you know i don't care if you are new to the paranormal or if you've never been published before or you're not a part of a team um i want to hear what you have to say um some of these things that people have come up with is just absolutely fascinating i learned so much throughout volume one um and a lot of these women had never been published before um it was their very first time um so i really want to encourage anyone that um you know feels inspired to potentially write something um the minimum word count is 500 words that's like a page or two people Um, so it's not that's not very demanding 500 words, even I could do that. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's you know, everything. Ghost stories, um, you know, witchcraft, tarot, folklore, death culture, dark history. Um, we didn't have any cryptids at <gasps> all in oh. Volume 1, so I'm just 
laying the seeds, putting it out there. Mm. Um, so, um, but yeah, I really want to encourage anyone who's listening. Um, we are opening it up to people who identify as non-binary. We're going to create a special section for them as well. Cool. Um, just because, again, they're not represented at all in the mainstream media. Right. Um, and they're, again, they're they're here in the field um, working just as hard as the rest of us. So, um, and we also opened it up to artists as well. Um, so if anyone um, is basically uh, like a psychic medium that uses art in their practice or in their mediumship, um, there's a place for you in the feminine macabre as well. So definitely head to spookyeats.com slash feminine macabre to get all the submission guidelines. We'll um, sure. And yeah. submissions are open until June 1st. And that's a that's yeah, a little, and we'll make sure good, we put that as yeah, part of the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, help sure, promote yeah. that. Yeah. I, I do have to uh, I have I have to ask you this question because when I was looking at who you dedicated the book to, I know every name, which is to Catherine, Eleanor, Mary, Zora, Lorraine, and Rosemary, but I didn't know who the Mary was. Who is Mary? Oh, Mary Heyer. She um, focused a lot on the Mothman. Oh, uh, okay. okay. So that was the cryptid aspect of things. But okay. There were no in here. <laughs> yes. Okay, and then when you said hire, even I was like, that sounds familiar. That's for okay, yes, like yep. <laughs> Mr. Keel there. Okay, do you do you guys when you're talking to other people about women, uh, especially historical women involved in the past? I, I know Lorraine Warren had. There's a lot of mixed feelings about the Warrens, and I don't know what what are your thoughts about about the Warrens if you have any that you want to share. So personally, I and because you do, you get. So such a variety of stories um, from people. Um, personally, I I'm kind of a fan just because you know everything that I've ever read is you know people say like they were charlatans and con artists, but you know things that I've read is that they never actually got paid for these things. You know, only later in life did like the Conjuring movies come out and they were paid to you know advise. Right. Um, but but for me, it's kind of similar to the Fox sisters. You know, the Fox sisters came out as frauds that they, you know, they were they were faking the wrappings, um, you know, and they were charlatans. Basically, they, they ousted themselves, um, but they still led to the birth of the spiritualism movement, which is still going strong today. And that's a good that's a great thing. You know, so with Lorraine Warren, for me, I feel like she was such a trailblazer that when women barely even left the houses and barely had jobs, she was out there, you know, really blazing the trail for women in the paranormal. So whether or not, you know, again, similar to the Fox sisters, whether or not it was 100% authentic and genuine or, or not, you know, whether or not she still paved the way for the rest of us. And for that, I am grateful. Um, so that is why, and I considered, you know, do I include her in the dedication? Do I not? Because I know people are very opinionated when it comes to her place in the paranormal. Um, and for me, she does have a place because she made room for the rest of us coming up in the late 20th century and, and now the 21st century. Right. Uh, that's uh, I know it's funny how I think maybe if they had done anything other than Amityville, I yep. don't know if their if their reputation would be as mixed as it is. It's that stupid Amityville. <laughs> Though very interestingly, I always love this conversation because my mom grew up one town over from Amityville, uh -huh. and she knew the DeFeo family. She knew the Lutz family, and uh, 
So I always ask her, you know, whenever it comes up, you know, what, like, what, like, she was a kid, obviously, when it all happened. Um, but, you know, she is convinced that there was something that happened, something. She's like, is it as ridiculous as Hollywood made it out to be? Absolutely not. Um, but so it, it's, I don't know. We'll never really know, I guess. Unfortunately, again, it's very opinionated. Some people, you know, say, you know, you know, we made it up. They made it up. And then right. other people cling to it. So it's like, well, who the heck do you believe? I know. Um, so it's, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Amityville was kind of the nail in the coffin for them in a way. Yeah. But yeah. And if Hollywood had never attacked it uh, or taken exactly. that on as a project again, that maybe that would even be a different way or perspective um, on the whole, I, I don't know, Ed and Lorraine, but it's, it's, that's crazy that your mom like knew Ronnie DeFeo and yep. the Lutzes. When he just and... recently passed away, she was like, good riddance, he's <laughs> a creep. And I was like, oh my God, mom. Wow. <laughs> Did she yeah. say oh, he yeah. was a She's creep like, back in the day? She in town to like stay away from him and huh. he was like bad news. Oh yeah. What were you saying? I'm sorry. I, no, I, I was going to say she, she said he was a creep even back before he got, uh, he murdered his oh, entire yeah. family. Oh yeah. I mean, he was uh, like, she said like he was a drug addict. Huh. He was like, everyone knew like stay away from Butch DeFeo. He is bad news. Um, so, and I was like a teenager when I found out that she, cause I, and I knew she grew up on Long Island. Yeah. Um, but then we went to like actually visit her hometown and we literally drove past the sign that said Amityville. And I was like, wait, like Amityville horror, Amityville. And she goes, oh yeah. And I was like, mom, you live two minutes away from here. What is going on? Um, so yeah, she, she was there when it all went down. So wow. yeah, that's crazy. Seven degrees. I was just going to say that. <laughs> just, you know, you never know. That's so wild. Um, I do want to ask you a question that's completely separate from the feminine macabre. You do a really good job, which I, I wish I had your zeal for social media because you you attacked that Instagram. I saw you are on um uh, the TikTok now, which TikTok? Oh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm too old for the TikTok. <laughs> but when you when you put the, the in, fr in in front of any of that stuff, you've already aged yourself like 20 years. Yep. When you say the, the YouTube TikTok. or the, YouTube. the Facebook or any yep. of that stuff, no, that's the, why I did that because that is the youngins one. But I will say that yeah. as a TikTok viewer, it is very addicting. Uh, it I, is. I, it's I, terrible. It can keep me entertained for easily. An hour, which is good with my brain. A day. <laughs> Does TikTok have the dancing, the dancing people? The tons of dancing. That's one people. of the things that I'm. I, I, okay, full transparency. Here we go. Um, that's one thing I've been watching. Like I guess on Instagram is I'll I'll hit the the random thing or whatever the the random. Glass. You're basically seeing TikTok videos uploaded yeah, to all the other platforms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's yeah. people like doing choreographed dancing and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun to watch. <laughs> Well, it's, and it's quick. It's bite size. Well, it's, yeah, well, that's the thing is it's like 10 seconds. And I'm like, oh, these people. You're not watching an hour. You're not watching like a, a whole yeah. river yeah. dance for an hour. But, I mean, that's the problem with that because it's like, oh, this is, you know, I'll just lay here for a minute and watch a couple of videos. And like four hours and later, I'm like, what the hell happened? It's the rabbit hole. You <laughs> get sucked into it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, well, yeah. Well, Amber, you were saying, yeah, so, as far as social media is concerned. And there has been an element of paranormal stuff with TikTok. Like, I think, well. There is witch talk. This has been in the news lately. What? Which, yeah, well, hash, hashtag God, witch talk. I'm so disconnected. So, this like, is... if you use that hashtag, there's a lot of very young witch talk kids, like, 
talking witchcraft on there because witch witchcraft in general has found what, in like ten seconds. Yeah, like you got a minute to teach the kids about you know esoteric ideas and concepts. <laughs> so you know, no challenging. <laughs> but it has come. It has been the, uh, the occult in general has seen a rise in interest especially with COVID. And then even before that, it was seen a big, there's a bit of just a big interest, a big revival in it. Um, I feel like the paranormal, I remember being at a conference, I think it was 2007 and John Zaffis looking at us going, this, this whole paranormal thing's just going to blow over this interest, this, this whole thing on the media and everything. It says it's going to, and then that was 2007. Yeah. That was... And I don't feel like it ever lost steam. No, it has, it, it no. hasn't lost any steam. So there, it, it's adapted too, yeah, obviously. There's something to be said for that. It, it's not like a passing trend maybe in previous times, but anyway, so Amanda does a stellar job, like really getting around on all the social media out there. And so she caught my attention today, uh, with a video where I have to ask you what you're doing exactly and because I was like I, I should have showed you Scott because yeah, she's using guitar p- pedals so I was oh. like oh dang it I gotta show Scott this because we're surrounded by we have like 20 pedals in this room alone so anyway you're making what's known as a spirit portal and I yeah, gotta know terrible name I, I gotta know more about this obviously it's one of the many gadgets out there that people can use when they when they investigate but you got to tell me about this and what you were doing in the video Yes. So basically, I wanted to very quickly, obviously only 60 seconds, um, do a tutorial on how people can make their own spirit portals. Um, And basically, um, for anyone who doesn't know what a spirit portal is, again, I hate the name. I'm actually calling mine my spirit radio um, because when I host public ghost hunts and, you know, somebody pulls out their portal and you explain like, oh, this is called a portal. You just see people like panic. They don't like the word portal, especially when they're sitting in a haunted building and the lights are out. I'm going to get sucked in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but basically, um, you can hook it up to your spirit box, your SB7, whatever radio sweeping device that you have. Um, And usually when you have one of those, it makes that awful white noise sound that... Yeah. And the theory is, is that spirits can use that white noise to you know, give voice to themselves and and answer questions. Um, But it's really hard to hear through that static, that noise. So basically what the portal does is it cancels out that noise so only voices come through and it makes it a bit clearer for you to potentially hear answers. Um, So basically these things are exorbitant if you find them online. I think like the cheapest one I found was like four hundred dollars. The the nicest one I found was like twelve hundred dollars. Wow. And I'm poor. I can't afford that. Um, so basically, my husband and I work together. He's definitely like the gadget man. He loves like he's built me REM pods. He he loves doing the techie stuff um, for for spookies. And we put this together for about a hundred and thirty dollars. Um, and I wanted to share it with people. I hate gatekeeping in the paranormal. Um, When I first started out, um, I reached out to a gentleman who is relatively well-known here in Western New York, um, just kind of asking his opinion on something. And he basically told me he wasn't going to answer because it was his niche in the community. And if I wanted the answers, I would have to go buy his book. Um, Put a bad taste in my mouth. I haven't communicated with him since. Um, And 
so I really wanted to be fairly transparent about how to do this. I'm not charging people how to make a portal. Um, and basically, um, that was why I wanted to create this video. It's really, really quick. So I tell people, like, if you have questions, please ask me. Um, but basically, the theory is that you, you know, you take your spirit box or your SB7 and you plug it into um, a noise killer, the noise gate, guitar noise gate. Um, that cuts out the... I don't yeah, know what that, you call that. Well, <laughs> that. No, well that, that um, it'd be a tremolo effect you're talking about. Yeah, and the noise gate's going to cut all that. Obviously, a noise gate, that's what a gate is. is it, it cuts off all that extra noise yeah. and cleans the signal up. Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and then you plug your noise gate into a reverb pedal, and that just makes a nice reverb. Well, a reverb. <laughs> and <laughs> reverb echo, will work. Obviously, well, it depends on how much reverb, the decay on the reverb you throw at it too. What I would think is it would, if you use the reverb correctly on this, and I haven't, I haven't seen the video yet. Um, it seems like if you use the reverb with not too much decay on it, it would warm the signal up and make it a little easier to hear. I mean, to me, exactly. it, would make, it would make it a little bit easier on the ears. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you plug that into a speaker um and that you put is- it into a marshall stack and you crank it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right turn it up to 11 <laughs> but um but that's basically a portal then obviously you just need like a battery pack to you know power the pedals um but if you already have an sb7 which usually runs about 70 or 80 dollars you can get all the other stuff for about 100 130 dollars um which is much cheaper than you know, $400 or $1,200. Um, so I really just wanted to give people the opportunity to try to make it themselves. I think when people see these gadgets, they're really intimidated. Um, and you don't have to be. Um, it, it's The technology is fairly simple. Um, I feel like once someone explains to you how it works, it makes sense. Um, and it's so much fun to be able to go to a location and say that you built this piece of equipment. So when it works, ah, it's, it's just, it's the coolest thing. Um, so I really wanted to give people the tools to make it themselves. I'm all about with Spooky Eats, you know, finding your own answers and going on your own paranormal adventures. Um, and this is just another aspect of that, you know, you know, getting your hands dirty and, and building equipment yourself. Um, and this is a relatively simple piece of equipment that you can build. You know, there's no soldering, there's no electricity really that you're working with. It's just, it's just some cords and cables that you're plugging in and it's nice and easy. You're chaining, you're chaining the the pedals together with with patch cables, obviously. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, what you're doing is breaking down, breaking down that system you're talking about, you know, it's broken apart into its own levels and you can get those, the the effects pedals you're talking about, you can get them pre, but you, you can go on, uh, uh, eBay and things like that and find those same pedals used for relatively cheap or people, and this is just because I've been playing music for so long, you can go to a lot of resale shops, guitar shops and stuff like that and find those same type of pedals, the reverb pedals and the noise suppression pedals, noise gates. They're rel- You can get them for relatively cheap. This depends on the brand you want, but they're all, yeah. for, for this experiment, I mean, I wouldn't be worrying about brands and stuff like that. If you can find something for a decent price, uh, go for it. And you can probably get it below the price that you named Amanda. You can probably make yeah, it even, probably get it even absolutely. If you can get things secondhand, do yeah, it. Yeah, oh my totally. gosh, <laughs> we, we did that uh, years ago um, when we were doing doing a lot of ITC work. Uh, we would go to flea markets because we were we would take piles of just junk radios 
that mm-hmm. would generate noise, right? And we'd put them in circles and put a microphone in the circle. Or we'd put them in you know large circles, small circles, triangles, whatever. So we would go to flea markets and just buy up. Just go up to the tables and go, I'll give you two bucks for that and a dollar for that. And they were just old beat up AM, FM radios that barely yeah. worked. They just had enough to make noise. So, I mean, building things like that, experimenting is the lifeblood of this community, I think. It's yep. fantastic stuff to do. And keeping it, and I'll use a term, open source like you're doing, really, the, the gatekeeping thing I never understood either. Um, it should be an open uh, platform for everybody to share ideas and whatnot. But I do understand you can't sell books if you're if you're giving away your ideas without. I, I don't know. Whatever. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I could bitch about that all night long. But I mean, but th- that's a cool idea, and I'm really if, if it's cool, I'd like to put that video up on on this posting for this show too. If that's cool. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. I think that'd be fun because I'm going to watch that as soon as the show's over. It's if, cute. If I, it's got Scooby Doo music, <laughs> which was stuck in my head because that's. I'm the, so sorry. <laughs> it was like right before the show. I was like Scooby Scooby Doo. Where are you? Like it that's was the second Scooby Doo reference we've had in this show. That's pretty awesome. That is really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really because it's been a while. I haven't. I can't remember the last time I ever watched that show. Oh come on! No, I've been in the probably the 80s. I was probably a little kid. What? Probably a little kid. Oh yeah. no, I've I've done it recently. We've had Saturday morning <laughs> cartoon days where we're like, we're having cereal, we're building a blanket fort, we're watching the Scooby Doo. <laughs> So we're adults. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> thought we could have a child. Oh man. <laughs> Amanda, let's talk about the future for a couple minutes here. What do you I mean, aside from obviously volume two that's coming out, do you have any other projects you have on the burner? Because you obviously oh. are you're busier than we are. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean I have a couple of books in the works. Yeah. Um I'm currently working on three books. Um one is about the oldest bar in all fifty states. Um, so that's fun. A little bit of history, a little bit of haunting. Not all of them are haunted. Um, so that's a fun little travel guide that I'm working on. I'm also working on um, uh, old historic hotels and asylums and, and institutions that have been transformed into um, hotels, restaurants, things like that. Oh, I love that. Um, and the third book I'm working on, um, which is very, very tentative, um, but and this is a whole other conversation. Um, it's actually talking about um, prostitutes yes. and how they haunt. Um, I, I have found in my experience um, various bars. Um, a lot of bars um, are haunted by prostitutes. So I want to look at the history of prostitution in America and kind of really highlight these ladies that have kind of experienced oh, yes. e- yeah. eternal life. Um, because of their haunting. So stay tuned for that. I'm really, really excited about that. That's the best. You're going to love prostitution research because I, I, <laughs> I, I did. I love it. So interesting. I did that for one of my uh, true crime books I worked on. I, I, I kind of exposed the local prostitution that went on in the 19th century in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it was just fun because the area is <laughs> uptight, uh, kind of religious. And some of these people that their names are now forever cemented with historical things like local hospitals and, and no one would think any any bad of their name. Yeah. I literally found that they were owners of entire city blocks in Grand Rapids that owned houses of ill repute, as they were yeah. known. Um, <laughs> and they were renting because uh, to these people, they knew what was going on, but hey, they had they could just the cops would look the other way. Yep. And and a lot of the cops would utilize the women because the women had more secrets than anybody else. They knew what was going on. So cops could come in and go, oh, we know what's going on here, but do you know so-and-so? And where where did you last see him? Yeah, you know, he, he was in here last night. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's your prostitute voice. That's my, pro- well, I don't know. It was good. It was good. <laughs> 
<laughs> I could have. I don't. I'd have probably have fifty different prostitute voices. It depend on their personality. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, Amanda, you're gonna have fun with that. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited. Amanda, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us tonight. This was fascinating. Um, and per usual, you got an open door to this show. Anytime you want to come join us, we'd love to have you again. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me back on. I love, I always love chatting with you guys. Ghostly Talk! <laughs>